You are listening to a 14-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled Acts. Luke, the author of Acts, tells us in chapter 1, verse 1, that the Gospels were only the beginning of all Jesus did and taught. The book of Acts is the continuation of Jesus' ministry on earth through the church, and this story is continuing today. This sermon series will address key themes in the book of Acts and connect them with our lives today. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. We are going to start a new series in Acts, and as I was thinking about this series, uh, because we're going to speak into really what the church is all about, I begin to think about just kind of my history and really the, the, the church's history. And when I was 22, God interrupted my life. He, he startled me. I would say that he startled me with his presence. He startled me with the reality of him. I, I was not looking for him. I was not seeking him. I didn't have anyone who was actively telling me uh, about him. Uh, but I was, uh, it, it was in my uh, apartment in college and, and God spoke to me these words out of uh, Psalm 81.10, and in Psalm 81.10 it says, open your mouth wide to me and I'll fill it. And, and what that is talking about, it's the invitation from God to me or to anyone uh, that if they uh, open their life to them, if they give their life over to Jesus, uh, he will give you in return all of his life. And, uh, and what amazed me about that moment, what startled me about that moment was like, is not only was God calling me into this, but I was like, hey, he's real. Like he, he actually spoke to me and that, that moment grabbed me by uh, the jugular and I didn't really know what to do. And so I did the only thing I knew what to do. I went to go uh, talk to a pastor. I went to uh, this church and he said, well, why don't you, would you come here on a Sunday and do what church folk call a testimony? Uh, come up here on the stage and, and kind of tell us what God did in your life. So I, I do that. I go in front of what is about a thousand people and I say, hey, you know, this is, uh, this, is the, this is what the Bible says, this is what God did in my life. And, and almost instinctively, I just begin to say, and, and if, you know, you, you can have this too, and God will do this in your life. And, and then I just kind of hand the mic to the pastor. And as I'm leaving, Elder grabs me by the arm and says, hey, great word, brother. You know, you know I, I think you might be a preacher. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so, and I leave the stage, and I, and I literally walk, I leave the stage, walk out of the auditorium, walk out out of the church, into the parking lot, and I leave. Like, that's it. And, uh, which is amazing to me, because, like, we have people up here, even today, like, telling, testifying of God's goodness. If any one of them, like, left the building, I'd go chase after them, say, hey, there's no leaving early in church. There's, there's no crying in baseball, and there's no leaving early in church. What are you doing? But what was going on then, although I had this encounter with Jesus, and I was, I, I was, I was captivated by, by God. I had no passion, no vision uh, for uh, the church. I was just, well, I'm, I, I don't get this. So that's why I just kind of like, well, I'm not sticking around. I'm leaving. And so, I just, uh, and so I left. And not only that, even if I did have vision, I didn't really think that the church wanted me. Even if I wanted the church, I didn't know if the church wanted me. I didn't fit the mold. I wasn't quite, I didn't think I was the right, uh, I just didn't think I had my life together, even though God had done something powerfully in my life. But what happened in that moment is God did plant a seed deep into my heart, uh, a seed that I didn't realize was there, but he, he planted something in me. When, um, in, in going through that experience, that guy grabbing me by the arm, saying those words, it planted something in me. So I, uh, I go to St. Louis, I come back to St. Louis, uh, went to high school, uh, actually near Ferguson, up in Florissant, and um, um, 
came back here, got a job as a stockbroker. I was a business major and kind of went on. And I said, well, okay, I'm going to check out a church. I couldn't spell church. I didn't even know what to look for. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. So I just started visiting a couple places. Nothing grabbed my heart. But then through a friend who does not uh, attend here or never has attended here, uh, told me to check out uh, this uh, Jubilee Church, which was not um, anywhere near famous. Uh, about 40 people meeting in, in, uh, in, this, in, in Webster Groves on Tuxedo and Bompart. So I went there, but something, when I walked in uh, to Jubilee Church, something grabbed my heart. And what grabbed my heart was uh, that the messages were about this New Testament church, that there was a, a community that once existed that we believe can exist today. And so talked about this community that was devoted to God and they did whatever they uh, saw God doing and didn't do what he wasn't doing and they were devoted to each other and they shared meals with gladness and sincerity of heart. They shared possessions. They shared their life. They were in it together. They ministered to the poor in radical ways. Uh, They believed in the miraculous. They prayed that God would stretch out his hand to to heal people and he did. The church was filled with awe. Uh, The the races came together. Genders came together. and it was a church that was radically committed to their city as well as the unreached people groups of the earth. And not only did this community exist in the pages of the Bible, but they said that this uh, church, this community is possible today. And that, that gripped my heart, that gripped my heart to the point. It's like, I, I want in on this. I want to be a part of this. And it was this belief, it was this passion that kind of kept this group together because what this church started with was 22 adults, a mortgage they couldn't afford, but they had this belief uh, that this church was possible. It gripped my heart. And, but, and then so slowly but surely, things begin to grow through blood, sweat, and tears. Um, uh, little by little, uh, people began to uh, add to this community we, until finally we filled up this, this, this church building uh, about 150 people, and that's when uh, John Lanferman handed the leadership of the church to me in 2005. Um, and so I started leading the church, but all the while, all through this fragility, uh, this being fragile, we just, there was this, uh, this commitment to saying, hey, we want to be this kind of church. We're going to press out. We're not going to stay uh, comfortable in and of ourselves. We want to press, we want to press, we want to press. And so we got involved in church planting, and we sent... Um, uh, some of our best people out, which is why we're still here. And so we, but there, we had, there were in Carl Harrington, some of you may know Carl Harrington on the other side of the state. You know, he plants a church, he comes to our church and, you know, grabs a few people, um, some good people. One of those was, a, was on staff here. He was our worship leader at the time. And now he's an elder down at that church and helping that church get started. Our founding, one of our founding elders, Sam Poe, key prophetic voice uh, in our church and really in the family of churches we're a part of. Um, he went out with Bo Noonan out into the West Coast, into Tacoma. But not only have we been a part, we've been a part of that, but we've also wanted to be in on that on ourselves. And so we, we've been planting locations uh, as a church. We planted um, Winsville in, in 2008, into Washington in 2010, at the Lake of the Ozarks uh, last year. It hasn't all been easy. Uh, in fact, there's been some very difficult days um, there's been days where I've wanted to quit, not quit in my role, but just quit risking, quit stepping out, quit putting it on the line, quit uh, saying, hey, we're going to do some things outside of ourselves. We're going to go for stuff. Uh, I just said there was a real temptation just to kind of hold back. Uh, but God, this, this, this picture, this vision of being this church that we saw in Scripture compelled us, uh, really led us and really... Um, 
called us to keep moving out and to keep moving out. And by God's grace, uh, through all of that, um, you know, we're nearly 600 people in three different locations. We've seen hundreds of people saved, baptized, added into uh, this community. We've seen marriages reconciled. We've seen the poor, the needs of the poor met. Uh, we've seen dozens of people physically, miraculously healed, emotionally healed. Uh, we've seen races come together uh, in unique ways. We've seen some pretty uh, powerful stuff, and we, we're not uh, done with that. We, a couple weeks ago, we announced, hey, we, we want to start another location out in the county and we want to risk it again. We want to keep risking it. And so we're, we're gathering uh, money. We take we offering every year uh, to a church planning fund with the hopes of raising a million dollars. And we're a little over 100,000 now. That, that offering will be here again in uh, September. We'll receive that. And to this idea of planting more and more locations in this city and, the surra- and planting churches in the surrounding mis- Midwest region to, to bring this, this message because this message has come to us and we want to uh, bring it to others. And again, it hasn't always uh, been easy. And I look back and I think like, how in the world did this happen? Because some people walk in, I don't know about what your story is or how you've, what you think about what's happening here, but I hear some things that make, that are funny, that make me laugh. They say things like, man, Jubilee's really got stuff together. There's like, you know, there's, I, I, cause even sometimes people find a hard, they find it hard to kind of get involved because it seems like everything's going really well, but man, that's, that's a mirage. That's, I don't even know about that. I mean, we're not, we're not particularly in, innovative and, and I'm introverted. I don't, I like, I, I don't like walk up into a room and, and just people notice and very charismatic and very like everyone's, wow, here comes Brian. And everyone just kind of gathers to Brian. That, that doesn't, ha- I mean, I'm scrappy. Uh, if there's something I believe in, I'm going to go out with commitment. Back in high school, I was uh, part of uh, this basketball team that was primarily black. And my, uh, they, I was, my style of play was affectionately called the honky hustle. And so like, <laughs> And, and so, like, if there's something that I, I, I'll go after it, 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 it wasn't pretty, but it was effective. And so uh, I think God has maybe used that to kind of keep us on a path because what we've done is we've stayed true. We've relied on God. We've stayed devoted to him. We've just stayed devoted to his voice in our lives, in my life, regardless of the cost, regardless of whether or not we think we could pull it off or not. We've gone for that. We've stayed committed to each other. We've stayed committed to his grace and we've stayed committed to his spirit and he's kept us and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to continue to, we're going to continue to raise money. We're going to continue to raise up other young guys. You know about Dylan he, if you're new here, he was a guy who was doing the announcements. He's been intentionally training to be, uh, to, uh, to, to plant a church, to plant a location. There are other guys uh, and, uh, saying, hey, I want to lay down my life that way too. I want to, I want to take on the call to serve. And we're going to uh, spend, um, we're, we're going to do church in such a way to see them raised up. We're going to raise money to make this thing happen. And we're going to continue to hear the voice of God uh, to push this out. And so um, just want to encourage you to be a participant in that, to pray into that, to be uh, active in that, to, to want that, to embrace that. Um, because they'll, they'll come up, these guys will come up here and they'll preach. And it's not like I'm a great preacher, but you just, you're just going to have to get used to other people uh, doing ministry because that's just the way that we want to do church. And one of the things as I study uh, church history, and if you've ever studied church history, just how churches work, 
Uh, historically, churches plateau after 15 years. They start to decline at 25, and they're gone at 40. And uh, just like human beings, you and I have a lifespan. Churches have a lifespan. The only way that, they, that human beings continue is they reproduce. The only way churches continue, the only way that the gospel continues to move uh, through a community is if it reproduces. And we are going to, uh, we, we, want, we want what God's doing in St. Louis through us, what he's done to this point to continue and to continue to continue. And the only way that's going to happen is if we continue to lay it on the line, if we continue to reinvent ourselves, if we continue to push forward in what God has for us. And what I want to do is I want to take us back to Acts. And I want to in, in, the, in these coming weeks, it's going to lead us up till Christmas. And I want us to look at what has compelled us to this point. And, and I want to use that word compel. This isn't, this isn't nobody's idea. This is, what, this is us being convinced about what we see in Scripture. And I, I want you to be compelled not by uh, me or some good idea. I want you to be compelled by the Bible. I want you to be compelled by the Holy Spirit. And I think if you open your heart up to Scripture and you open your heart up to what the Spirit has to say, I think you're going to want to get in on this. So in, in Acts 1, uh, we're going to start here. And this is really going to be a template for what's coming up. And what's coming up is that Luke, the writer of Acts, is going to communicate to us what a church is and what a church does. I don't know if, if tomorrow when you go to work, if someone says, hey, what'd you do this weekend? And you may say, I went to church. And if they were to ask you, what is a church? I wonder how you would answer them. In, in my experience, I've heard some crazy, I'll say weird answers. Uh, I've had people say, well, well, church to me is, you know, me and a couple buddies, we go to a coffee shop, we go to, uh, um, you know, a pub, and we t- discuss theology and, you know, kind of, uh, and that's what, that's church to us. We, we you know, we, we enjoy a pint, we enjoy a cup of coffee, and that's church. That's not church. Uh, I had one guy um, who just come here sporadically, like every, once every six weeks, and, but he was faithful for years, <laughs> once every six weeks. Like, hey, dude, what gives, man? You know, like, why are you here so sporadically? He's like, well, my, my church is, I, I love to get out in nature, and I feel that's where I feel one with God, so I just, that's what I like to do. I like to just take walks in the woods, and I feel connected. Man, that's not church. I mean, take those walks, do those things, but that's not church. When, and growing up, when, you know, if, if, if service was canceled for whatever reason, you know, if snow, whatever, you know, my dad would gather us together, us kids together, and he put on a Keith Green album, and like we would do some kind of devotional, and um, which was great and super recommended. But what I've seen happen here recently, uh, 20, 30 years removed from that, is that I think I've seen parents take that to a whole other level. So what you have is you've got mom over here going to this Bible study, you've got kids going to this program, high school students going to that program, dad doesn't really do anything, uh, they give a few bucks to a parachurch ministry, they listen to lots of Christian music, download lots of podcasts, and what they do is they strip out all these pieces of church activities, and they bring it together in what they think is this all-star stew of Christianity, and that's what church is. That's not church. For the record, I'm for all that stuff. I'm for women studying the Bible. I'm, I'm for kids, those kids' programs. Uh, I'm not for dads not doing anything. Um, I'm for, uh, you know, ministries supporting other ministries outside the church. I'm for all of that. I'm for Christian music. I'm for 
um, downloading podcasts. Um, I'm down for all that stuff. But here's what I have a problem with. I have a problem with you and I defining what the church is and what the church does based upon a personal preference or what fits your rhythm of life. If you belong to Jubilee, I love you too much. I love you too much for you to get sucked into something that I think, well, I'll I'll go as far as to say, I think the Bible would say is a recipe for wasting your life. Now, here's the great news. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess. We don't have to be given to conjecture on what the church is and what the church does. It's super clear. And we're going to start right here. Verse 1 says it. In this first book, he writes, if you have your Bibles open there, be helpful. Luke writes in the first book, what might be Luke's first book? Luke. Very good. Not a trick question. Or any of the Gospels, you could say. In the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt, I have dealt, that means I've written about, I've recorded all that Jesus, what's that word say if you're looking at your Bible? Began. Not finish. I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. So here's what he's saying. That Luke or Matthew, Mark or John, that was just the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Everything from his birth to his ascension was the beginning of his teaching ministry, was the beginning of his deed ministry. And now through Acts, through the story of the church, is the continuation of all that Jesus does on the earth. So what is the purpose of the church? And if, you're a, if you consider yourself a part of the church or, in, uh, or a Christian, uh, your purpose, our purpose together is to finish what Jesus started. And I'm not talking about uh, his atoning work on the cross. I'm talking about what he came to do. This series is called Unfinished Business because Jesus What Jesus did when he was physically on the earth more than 2,000 years ago was only the beginning of his teaching ministry, was only the beginning of his deed ministry. And now between you and I, through these fragile jars of clay, he continues his ministry here on earth. So what did Jesus come to do? These are, these are, when you read verses like this, this is where your ears should perk up because this is going to explain to you what the church is, what the church does, what her purpose is, and what your purpose is if you want to be a part of that. So Jesus said things like this. I have come, I have come to seek and save the lost. I have not come to be served. I have not come uh, to build a life that kind of um, builds itself around me. So, so I've got this life. I've got, I've, I've got this job. I've got this uh, career. I've got these interests. And I will fit pieces of Christianity in the crevices of where that will fit in. I have not come to do that. I've not come to, to be served. I have come to serve others. I have come to lay down my life for many. And he would do so indiscriminately. Your, our purpose together and your purpose as an individual is not to have a good paying, not so hard working job. 
It's not to perfect your career or your hobbies. It's not to have a, um, you know, two and a half kids and a white picket fence. That is not your purpose. Your purpose is to finish what Jesus started. Your purpose is to seek and save the Lord. What are you doing tomorrow? Why are you doing whatever you're doing tomorrow? The reason why you're doing all that you do tomorrow is because you want to seek and save the lost. Whatever you do next week is because you want to lay down your life so that others can know about Jesus. And I want to contend if I could stand in front of every Christian in America, my plea would say, do not demand, do not demand that the church become a vendor of religious goods and services to meet your needs, your interests, your preferences. Because you will make the church something that it's, she's not meant to be, and you will put your life on a course guaranteed to waste it. Because you will not be living for the purpose, the very purpose for which you are here, which is to continue the ministry of Jesus. And he, and he goes on and, and, and kind of flushes out a, out a little bit. Um, go down to verse 6. He says, so when they came together, they asked him, Lord... Will you at this time restore the kingdom of, of Israel? And this is what's going on there. It, it, the, the Jews then, they were very, they were under the oppression and under the rulership of Rome. Rome uh, had its boot, boot, excuse me, almost said something, had its foot um, stuck on the neck of the Jewish people. And they resisted it. And they were waiting for a Messiah who would come and destroy Rome and set Israel back up as the favored nation. And so what they're saying is like, hey, is now the time you're going to make us the best? Is now the time we're going to be a Christian nation again? Is now the time you're going to make all the laws favorable to us? Is now the time you're going to take care of all of our health problems, our money problems? Are you, now are you going to make the life that we've always wanted? Is that what you've come to do? And this is what Jesus says, I have not come to conquer Rome. I have come to conquer you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my kingdom up, not on this earth. I'm going to set my kingdom up in, the, in your heart. And I'm going to conquer your heart. And I'm going to use fragile, jacked up, insignificant, unwise, weak you. And through you, I am going to use you as a witness to me. Through your life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be a witness that Jesus is Lord. You're going to testify to who I am, and here's the plan. You're going to do that in Jerusalem. You're going to do that in Judea. You're going to do that in Samaria, those people that you don't like, those people that you would just soon walk by and not have anything to do with. And then you're going to go to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what he says here. It says, it is not for you to know the times of the season that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We'll talk about more specifically uh, this coming upon of the Holy Spirit next week, but here's what Jesus says. He says, Here, here's the church 
in a night. Here's, here's the power. Here's, here's the purpose. And here's the plan. He says it very, very plainly. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. The power to do this. The ability to do this comes from the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the purpose is to be a witness. That's the purpose of the church, to be a witness of Jesus. And the plan is St. Louis, surrounding area, people that we would not, that we would normally in ourselves skip over, and the ends of the earth. The power. I have found that my life is a series of events where God leads, seemingly leads me to the edge of a cliff and says, jump. I mean, it says without faith, faith, it's impossible to please God. Without this, I am trusting in something outside of me to pull off what he's asking me to do. Without that element in your life, it's impossible to please God. Fundamentally, Christians are those who are trusting and relying on a power outside of them. That's how we got into this thing in the first place. You did not become a Christian because you could achieve a salvation of your own. You did not become a Christian because you can achieve a righteousness of your own. You became a Christian because you looked inside of yourself and you saw yourself as deficient of saving yourself. And so you, you, you cried out to, to, to Jesus. You cried out to him to save you. You need something, you needed something outside of you to save you. That's how you got into that. This is how you become a Christian. Is you humbly recognize your need for a savior that you can't pull it off. That is how you live this life as a Christian. Every day. Every day, the things that God has put in front of you are not things that you can pull off in your own strength. If all you're ever doing is doing things in your own strength, You're missing the point. There's a power that God wants you to walk in. I'll put it this way. God never intended for you to live within your means or within your resources. But he's called you to live in a situation that is consistently outside of your ability to pull it off. When you think, I do not have the time to do this, God is calling you to do things that you don't think you have the resources to do. When you think, I don't have the money to do this, God is calling you to do things you do. When you don't have the abilities and you think, well, that will never happen, God is calling you to live a life that's beyond. He says to this group of teenage Men and women, through you, I'm going to rule the world. And we have to look back 2,000 years from now because when this was written, we were the ends of the earth. So God did something through them pretty profound, which we'll continue to read about. How did that happen? It happened through the power of his spirit. Let me take... I'll do this quickly. Ephesians 5. We can have this on the, uh, on the screen for you. Um, verse 22. I, I just, I'm going to take this from 30,000 feet all the way to ground level. 
Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Piece of cake. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Even easier. There are days where I think to myself, I can never, ever be the husband that God has called me to be. I can never love my wife the way Jesus has loved me. And Jesus says to me, I know. (laughs) Now stay with me. I've never called you to do something within your ability to do. You see, we, we like to strip verses up, but if you were to go up to verse 18, which really defines, I don't have time to explain this, but really defines everything that we read about here. Verse 18 says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. How do we submit to one each other? How do we love each other as Christ has loved the church? We are full of God's spirit. See, you're full of wine or alcohol. It, it empowers you to do things that you never thought you would do. You'll jump off a, you know, you'll jump off a high dive. You'll ask a girl out. You'll have some words with a guy three times your size. You'll be empowered to do things that you normally wouldn't and shouldn't. But alcohol has a way of influencing you in to do these things. And, and likewise, he's just trying to speak right into our situations and what words we can understand. Be full of God's spirit who's going to influence you and empower you things that you would not normally do. So be full of his, his spirit because what I'm calling you to, I'm calling you to do things that, that are upside down. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. The greatest are the least. To live is to die, to die is to gain. I'm sending you into something that isn't going to work against everything you think is possible in common sense. And I need this all the time. I need the Holy Spirit of God to remind me because of the things that, that he has called me to do just doesn't seem to always make sense. Because, so in that example about he wants me to love my wife a certain way and he wants my wife to treat me a certain way reflects what Jesus is like. We do this out of reverence for Christ. And so when I'm walking under the spirit and I am being the husband that God's called me to be and she's being the wife that God's called her to be, we are reflecting, we are showing witness to the world around that Jesus is Lord. There are things that I do, I only do because Jesus is Lord. There are things that I don't do because Jesus is Lord. There's a way that I spend my money because Jesus is Lord. There's ways I don't spend my money because Jesus is Lord. And I need God's spirit all the time to tell me that it's Jesus that I'm after, that Jesus is my treasure, that he's the one I'm living for, that he's the one who's worth it. Because all the time he puts in front of me something that does not make sense, that seemingly is like Grand Canyon to jump over. And I'm like, I don't know how that's going to happen. And I don't even know if that's a good idea. So when I, when I, I became a, a, a stockbroker and 
basically, you know, you just work crazy. The, 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 the fallout rate in, in being a stockbroker is like 80%. So eight out of 10 don't make it. And so the first year I worked 60 something hours a week and made like 15 grand. And it was, it was, um, I mean, which only makes sense because I'm like 22 years old. I can barely shave and I'm calling people up. I've got $5.23 in my bank account. Hey, you know, would you like me to manage your money for you? No, really? Okay. 150 times a day I did that. Now, if you do that enough, somebody is going to be foolish enough to believe you and get it. So, so that began to build. And so I, I was one of the guys that, that made it and um, the whole honky hustle thing. And so like I, I, and then year two, you know, and it kind of builds and builds and builds. And I did it for uh, about six, seven years. And, you know, and, and so this is one of those jobs that all the effort is front loaded. And, and if, you, if you make it, you, you make it. And there's, there's, I mean, you can work part of the time and still make money. It's just the way that, it's the way it works. So at seven years in, they, they, they ask me to lead this church, which means to turn my back on that career, which not only cut our income in half in the moment, but it, it actually undermined everything, all that effort that I put in up to that point. I need the Holy Spirit of God to tell me that that's a good idea. (laughs) I needed the Holy, we needed as elders, the Holy Spirit of God to tell us that moving into the city, when, when the current of culture is east to west, for us to go against that current and come into the city, we needed God to tell us that. I, I need God to tell us that we're supposed to plant this next location, that we need to raise this money, that we need to give this money away, that we need to raise these people, that I need to take the people that are around me that are actually making me look good and then have them go do other things so they, don't, they stop making me look good. And that's a frightening thought. I need the Holy Spirit of God to say, that's a good idea. It's the only way I'm going to be, to walk in the purpose, to be a witness that there's someone else that is Lord. And for you to walk in the purpose that God has called you to be, you need that empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit. And we collectively need the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to guide. That's where we're going. That's how we're going to be a witness. That is the power and that is the purpose to be a witness, to be a witness. What is the Holy Spirit for? We'll talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the the coming upon the Holy Spirit next week. But primarily what it's for is for you to be a witness. That with your life, with the way that you live your life, with the decisions that you make about your career, that with the decisions that you make about your money, the way you parent, the way you don't parent, the way that you interact with other people, to live that life, you daily have to come to this place to say, this is not what I think I can do. This is not even what I want to do, but I know this is what God's calling me to. Spirit, remind me of who is truly truly valuable. Remind me of the purpose. Remind me who I'm living for. And the plan is the same. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the earth. And here's what I want to leave you with. None of that's changed. None of this has changed. 
2,000 years ago, it was true for them. The power was the same. It was the Holy Spirit. The purpose was the same. It was to be a witness. The plan is the same. Jerusalem, Judea, Simmons, into the earth. That's true for us today. And we need that. I, need, I needed the Holy Spirit today to, to, to encourage me to say this. Because within me, this desire to be approved by you oftentimes gets contradicted by what I feel to say. And I need that, and you need that, we all need that if we're going to walk in his purpose and if we're going to walk in his plan. And I believe if we hold tightly to him and we believe him and we trust him, we double down, we triple down, we quadruple down on that. He promises to be with us. He promises to make this happen. That's been our testimony for the past 17 years. And by God's grace, that will continue to be true of us. Would you get out your communication card? 